Welcome to another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast. I am your host, Randy Osei, and today I'm, in, I'm joined by the McCullum brothers, Eric and CJ McCullum, both professional basketball players, community activists, and entrepreneurs. Eric, CJ, welcome to today's show. Thank you for having us. Appreciate you having us on, brother. Amazing, amazing. So, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're in a pandemic still, and uh, life is still moving forward. Um, what have you guys been up to? Like, how has the last six, seven months looked like for you guys as, as basketball players, as, as, as men, as, as people in society? What has the last six or seven months looked like for you guys? I'll go first. Um, for me personally, it's been a unique experience um, having gone from playing in the middle of a season to the season stopping to having a break and, and not knowing when we're going to start up again to uh, trying to figure out ways to continue to help uh, from a charitable standpoint to donating to different causes uh, from COVID to my hometown to providing meals um, to obviously the Black Lives Matters movement to continue to figure out ways to to help fight systemic racism and some of the things we're facing today. So it's been a, a roller coaster ride. And, and within all of that, going to a bubble and, and playing basketball while still trying to, to speak up on some of these causes that are near and dear to me, it's, it's been an interesting ride. But I think the biggest thing I've learned um, throughout this entire process is that um, it's cliche, but we have strength in numbers. And I think um, seeing so many different people from different walks of life, different races, different ethnic, ethnic groups step up and continue to, to fight injustice on behalf of uh, black and brown people has been an amazing experience. And outside of that, i um, just continue to try to build my business portfolio, uh, conference calls daily, building my brand, uh, expanding. I actually just put out a wine recently. I'm a column Heritage 91, which um, is now sold out. But if you continue to subscribe and stay up to date, uh, more things are definitely coming in the near future but outside of that uh resting walking my dog being a stay-at-home dad uh enjoying life absolutely thank you for that cj and eric uh as for me um my season was also postponed at first um i think we you know postponed it probably about march and we stayed um and we're practicing because they were thinking that the season might start back up and then eventually um both leads called it quits on the season so I was on a plane home March 27th, which is a lot earlier than I'm used to. And from that standpoint, um, you know, it was unfortunate about the pandemic, about everything we were facing, but it allows you to put things into perspective about life and, you know, how the game of basketball can be taken away, you know, or given to you. And it allowed me to focus on my off-court ventures and to really take the time that maybe I not I might not have necessarily had in season to really be hands-on even more. Um, to be on the ground running and to focus on life after basketball. It almost gave me a little sneak peek of retirement. And, you know, it wasn't too bad. I still was training. I still was working because you always got to be in shape. You got to be ready. And my motto is if you never get out of shape, you never, you know, have to worry about getting back into shape. You know, I hate that feeling. So, you know, I trained. I did that daily. Um, and I just really started focusing on off-court revenue, you know, gaining that passive income. And, you know, what if – you know, this is something that we had to face, you know, for two or three years, you know, God willing, that's not the case, but I wanted to be prepared and I wanted my family to be okay too. So, you know, obviously, you know, basketball has been good to me. It's allowed me to build a safety net, and, you know, take some you know, business venture risk and some opportunities and, 
you know, I just wanted to maximize that during that period. And then also, you know, to harp on what CJ said, you know, it allowed you to put things in perspective about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, about all the things we're facing, the struggles, you know, beyond the pandemic, beyond, you know, COVID, you know, the struggle with police brutality, um, the struggle with, you know, just society, the things that, you know, people of color are faced with daily. And, you know, it forced me to think about different ways to use our platform, you know, different ways to, you know, maybe ways of awareness to, to make a change. And, you know, it's an uphill battle. Um, sometimes you feel helpless. Sometimes you feel like, you know, whatever you're doing, is it, you know, is it not enough? Uh, you know, how long it would take to get these results, you know, for there to be changed. But, you know, I think if everybody takes a little battle on their own, and, you know, maybe we won't see it, but maybe the next generation will if, if kids are raised differently and with different values and, you know, people of color are in higher positions of power, decisions with laws and certain things like that. So, I mean, it's a lot going on, but, you know, it basically allowed me to step away from basketball and just to process everything that not only our country, but our nation is going through um, throughout the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, Eric, you, you made a, a great point around, um, you know, staying ready so you don't have to get ready. And uh, as, a, as an athlete, I think that's one of the, the key things to success, right? Uh, it's, it's always building foundation and how do we get better and how do we continue to grow? Um, and, you know, thank you guys for all the work that you guys are doing for us, us, us minorities that don't have the voices like you guys do right I, I i even saw you today on twitter eric talking about um you know some of some of the recent news i, I don't want to get into that too much today um so thank you guys for continuously having a voice and spreading awareness cj as well you know you're in, in the bubble and um getting the messaging out there and uh it's you have a lot of work to do as, as people of color so um, we have to be the change that we want to see. So, uh, once again, thank you guys. I wanted to chat with you guys about, you know, your family life, your upbringing, um, you know, two brothers, um, uh, from Canton, Ohio. Um, I, I personally hadn't heard of, of Canton until I met the both of you guys. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about your upbringing and what that was like? Well, I'll go first. Um, basically, uh, we had came from a fortunate situation where we had two parents who worked hard, who loved us, um, and they provided us with everything that we needed. You know, we didn't have everything we wanted. I always joke around, say we were probably lower middle class, upper lower class, you know, depending on how you look at it. But um, I think that's what shaped us. Um, it's something that we battle with today. Me as a father now, I wonder, you know, with my children or my child in the future, whatever. I have one boy, uh, he's eight weeks old. And I wonder, will he have that same drive? Will he have that same push? Because there were some things we couldn't afford as children we couldn't have and we knew it. And, you know, like for instance, college was one of them. Mm -hmm. So we used basketball as a tool to you know help push us. That's how sports were viewed in our family. You know, academics were first, foremost, always. Um, nothing mattered if you didn't get the grades and you were supposed to use sports to pay for your school. And that's how it all started. It was basically a love of the game. It was fun for us. It was a way for us to stay out of trouble. Um, in the city, there's a lot of gang violence, drugs, um, all type of distractions for children at a young age. And our parents viewed sports as a way to kind of escape that. Um, if I know you're at practice, if I know you're at um, track, if I know you're at basketball, I know you're at AAU or football, whatever sport you are, I know you're there and not on the streets. I know you're there and not getting bad influences. So. 
you know, they use that, you know, as a, a vehicle to keep us safe. Um, you know, when your parents are working to five and you're getting out of school at three, you know, two hours is a lot of time to, to get into some mischief. So um, from that standpoint, uh, we were always taught to be together, um, to be best friends. Um, basically, I couldn't do anything if CJ couldn't go. So you know, that started from us going to friends' houses or, you know, maybe me trying to go out to the park or, you know, maybe I'm trying to go, you know, to a certain neighborhood and play basketball. You, know, you can't go unless your brother can go. And I think that kind of forged a lifelong, not only a friendship, because a lot of people are brothers, but they're not friends. Um, and we became best friends. And I mean, from playing together, from fighting together, um, studying together, um, everything just became both of us, you know? And I think as adults, that's allowed us to kind of focus in on pushing each other, uh, pushing each other to be better, to succeed, and rather than competing against each other. And I think that's when you lift up a person or a family. You know, my parents did an excellent job of not um, comparing us. You know, we were two different kids in two different sectors and two different lanes. One might be good in one thing, another might be good in another thing, but instead, you know, if you had a, a strength in an area, um, I was told to help CJ. So if he couldn't get something right and, you know, instead of, you know, me being showered with compliments, it was like, you're good at that, but now help your brother. And if there was something he excelled at, you know, he would also help me with it. And to this day, we still work this way, you know, from me texting him at halftime of a game, seeing something I see on the court that maybe he can't see from his viewpoint or him texting me at halftime telling me, you know, maybe a pass I'm missing or what I'm doing on my shot. And I think from that standpoint, our parents did a great job of just forging those relationships, making sure we were close knit, making sure that no matter what you have in this life, you'll always have your brother. Yeah. And some people come and go, but that's one relationship that will always stay. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, I think, you know, that bond, that love and, you know, that togetherness is the biggest thing I could take from our childhood as far as the drive of wanting to attain a life that maybe necessarily we weren't provided Absolutely. And, you know, to, to add to your point, you know, you guys have been seen quoted um, online saying that you guys didn't grow up, you know, being inspired by an athlete. You're inspired by your parents. And um, that was really shared in what you just shared, Eric. What, 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 what was the competitive nature like for both of you guys growing up? Because, you know, we just watched The Last Dance X amount of months ago and we saw, you know, MJ, MJ really became MJ at home right um what how competitive were you guys as much as you guys were together and doing things together how how bad did some of these you know one-on-one -on -one matches and things that you guys were competing against each other um how bad did they get cj um you have to elaborate on what you mean by how bad well how compet like how many fights were there a lot of fights was there a lot of <laughs> cutting like oh, if he okay. if eric if eric beat you did you go and steal his shoes or his video games like how competitive did it get in that house no it's very competitive as it should be i think when you care about something and you you love a game you love a sport uh, regardless of what it is it could be checkers chess monopoly dominoes you know what i mean you want to win uh, at all costs and i always joke and say I was playing against my mother, and she had a wide-open layup. I would flagrant foul her to prevent her from making that layup. And I love my mom dearly, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes down to winning, some people are willing to do whatever it takes, and others are willing to just uh, be okay or comfortable with losing. I've never been uncomfortable or okay with it. I've always tried to figure out a way to overcome it. And it started 
uh, with us, you know, playing video games or playing one-on-one. I don't, we haven't really gotten to many fights, maybe one fight that I can remember, but more so uh, just being upset. You know, you kick the ball or whatever, break a remote or sometimes you turn the game off before it's over so that you technically didn't lose. You know, you do those types of things to, to keep that mental edge, you know what I'm saying? But outside of that, I think it was all – pretty healthy for the most part. I mean, as healthy as it gets, you know, considering what I've seen from other um, siblings uh, throughout my, my relationships of friends and my relationships of, of others, I've seen people not get along nearly as well as we do, especially while playing the same sports, same sports, same position. So I'd say we, we did a good, good job. Our parents did a really great job of instilling in us the importance of being friends, rooting for each other, as opposed to, uh, you know, preying on someone's downfall. And trying to support them. And I say it all the time, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for him. Um, he, he helped me get here. He kind of held my hand to this point, you know what I mean? Showing me what I needed to do, how to do it, how to live, you know, correct, how to get good grades, all that stuff. So from a, from a standpoint of competing against each other, but still, you know, hoping the other one um, does what he's supposed to do to, to succeed. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think uh, one of the, the biggest things that, that you, well, that I see is, your games are pretty similar, right? You, the footwork, the, the, the timing, the change of pace, getting into that mid-range, those, those mid-range sweet spots. Um, I see a lot of each other. And you guys are always posting each other. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. Do you guys feel that the relationship that you guys have built have allowed you to build similar relationships with, with people outside of your immediate family? Um, so, for example, um, last year you guys were, were in Toronto for uh, Eric's uh, Bachelor Weekend. Um, and just being with you guys and seeing how you guys communicated with your, your, your friends and your boys, um, there was just this, like, big, big love fest between everybody, right? You guys just had so much love for each other. And it, for me, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before. You know, I had worked with players and I've been around players and their boys, but it wasn't like that. Do you guys feel that your relationship with each other have helped you guys to continue to build great relationships with other people? Eric? Yeah. I think that um, the way we were brought up, um, we got to see a lot of differences in people um, who's for you, who's not, who wants the best in you. And, you know, based on our life, just from going in under the radar, no one really caring about you, no one really concerned about what you do or who you are. And then they kind of blossomed in into CJ being, you know, one of the better two guards in the NBA, you know, myself being one of the better players in Europe. Um, you start to see, you know, a flip, a change. And I think it's easy to see who's with you for you and who's not, who's solid. And then from that perspective, um, we've been very good at keeping our circle cl uh, close and tight knit, but also knowing when there's someone who has good intentions and allowing them in the circle. And you know, I think CJ trusts my uh, judgment, you know, how I view people and I trust his. And from that standpoint, we've been able to kind of commingle with friends. Um, I've been able to take in his friends um, and get to know them and develop relationships. He's been able to do the same with mine. And it's good. Like, I think that a lot of friendships um, in the world today are, you know, I think too one-sided. You know, I think it's not like you need something much or anything like that but like a friend should help uplift you they should support you when you're doing good when you're doing bad um they should be able to keep it real with you um and i think a lot of people you know in our field have a lot of yes men um in their circle people who just 
you know, want everybody just to accept whatever they think or how they feel. And from there, I think um, we developed a tight knit group that will let us know when we're out of line. Um, they will let us know when we're not doing right or when we're not playing good on the court, or maybe we're not, you know, taking enough initiative to say things off the court or to prepare for basketball and life when it's over, like those type of things. And, you know, for sure, like all of our friends, they basically become family to us. And that's what you've seen. And basically everybody who was there on that weekend was family. That's beautiful to see. That's beautiful to see. CJ, anything to add to that? Or Yeah, I think based on how we were raised, we have a, a pretty good understanding of character. And the people that we hang with now are people that we grew up with. So we've known each other since we were, I don't know, for some of my friends, elementary school. So uh, as, as they say, the sandbox. So we've, we've been through a lot together, seen a lot together, um, and have a really good understanding of each other's intentions. I think that's important. When you meet new people, it's hard to, it's hard to get an idea of what they want. You know, everybody has, a, has an angle these days or trying to get something out of a situation or relationship. And typically when you come from circumstances that we've come from, um, it's easy to, to lose sight of, you know, how you got there. And I think a lot of our friends and where we're at now, they, they know you got here the hard way, the hard way, the inconventional way of working hard. And um, we keep, we keep our, our loved ones close, especially people that have, have been there from the beginning. And as he said before, um, are good judges of character. So, you know, you know, someone that you've met maybe later on in life, you know, what their intentions are, but I think it stems from us, you know, we show each other love, we treat each other how we're supposed to be treated. I think people gravitate towards that because it's genuine, it's honest, it's blunt, and it's real. And that doesn't exist in the real world anymore, at least from what I've seen. There's a lot of uh, fictitious uh, friendships and relationships where people are trying to take advantage of each other. And then there's also people who are afraid to, to keep it a buck with, with their uh, loved one and tell them the truth. Absolutely, absolutely. No, relationships are are super important and I think in, in anything you do, um, sports, family, friends, business, um, so on and so forth. Uh, I want to pivot now into, you know, chat a little bit about sports. Uh, Eric, you recently signed with Kimki in, in Moscow and you'll be leaving in less than a week. Uh, CJ, you just competed in the first ever bubble um, with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, what do you think, what do you guys think sports is, is going to look like moving forward, knowing that we don't know what 2021 is going to look like, or, you know, what seasons are going to look like, so on and so forth. Eric, where do you, what do you think sports is going to look like moving forward? Are you guys going to be playing with no fans as well? Is it going to be a bubble in, in Russia or what kind of environment are they creating for you guys? Well, the thing about Europe, it's a bit tricky because I play in the Euro League. So basically the Euro League is a league um, composed of uh, the top teams from each country. So you might have teams in Greece, Russia, uh, Israel, Turkey, Serbia, Spain, just to name a few. Um, and what makes it tricky is that each country has different rules and regulations. So what we'll see here is maybe some countries are allowing, let's say for Russia, 50% um, capacity at games. Um, but you must wear a mask and gloves. I've seen um, on our website with our team. Um, other countries um, are having none, depending on their rate, uh, how their um, their health management team is doing in that country, they'll say zero. Some are saying only 20% capacity. So um, from that standpoint, every place is different only because uh, we're traveling uh, globally. 
um, it would be easier uh, when you're in one country um, and there's one set of rules, like how the NBA kind of did this year with the bubble. Um, we're also taking um, COVID tests um, three days before each game. And from that standpoint, everybody who uh, passed the test can play. Um, if you fail the test, that person is isolated. Um, as well as the other players, they're isolated. And another test is administered. And from there, if those teammates and those guys have um, a negative test, they're cleared to play. While those guys with the positive test are forced into a quarantine. So you'll see some teams maybe playing without a key player because we're not doing a bubble in Europe. Um, the NBA bubble was a billion dollars. It's very expensive. Uh, some people probably don't want to do that. Um, right. <laughs> it's a lot of profits into that bottom line. So I think how they're doing it, you know, is, is good that they're testing and they're taking the precautions. And I think you'll see sports continue to try to, to strive because it helps the economy. Um, it gives people an escape. Um, sports can be therapeutic. It's also a way that can change people's life, allow them to get educations. You know, I really feel bad for those high school seniors who didn't have that senior year to really showcase themselves and maybe earn a scholarship and maybe change the dynamic of their life or their family. I feel really bad for those college seniors who wanted to have a chance to go to the NBA or maybe to go overseas and they didn't have that that season to kind of enhance that resume. As we've seen one year, one good NCAA tournament run can really change your fortunes. So from looking at that perspective, um, I hurt for those people because I've been in those shoes and who needed, you know, maybe one chance or one game or one shot and needed someone to take a, a chance on you. So I hope, you know, there's some way we can remedy that, um, maybe give them another year or maybe possibly play the season, but it, it's going to be extremely complicated for people because sports doesn't just change one person's life. Oftentimes it, it changes the entire family's life. Absolutely. No, sports, I think sports has a, a, a very special uh, connotation in society because it, it brings people together, right? Um, NBA games, 20,000 people um, it, to watch a two and a half hour game repeatedly. And I'm sure it's the same thing in Europe. So uh, I could definitely see sports continuing to, to move forward. Um, talking about the bubble, CJ, you, you, you launched your Heritage 91 wine in the bubble you brought in uh 84 bottles with you uh, so from an entrepreneurship angle was this as soon as you heard about the bubble was this kind of the plan honestly Knowing that the whole world would be watching you guys you're like you know what let's launch honestly that wasn't a part of the plan at all. I had no idea um, the season was going to resume. I had no idea that the season was going to end in a bubble. My plan originally when I bought the grapes in 2018 was to release in 2020, uh, a week after my wedding. So I was supposed to get married September 5th. I would honeymoon and I would come back and I would release my wine. I do everything in September because I think it's the greatest month um, ever. Uh, it's your birthday. <laughs> Some of the best people to ever grace the earth. Uh, we're born in September, including myself. Uh, so I just feel like that's a great time to do everything. And that's always been my plan. So the fact that we were in the bubble um, was just a part of God's plan. I had nothing to do with it. And as a strategic man, I figured out a way to take advantage of a situation that, you know, that wasn't necessarily a great situation for all parties involved to, to make it more entertaining and fun while also uh, becoming a marketing genius. Um, those aren't my words. Those are other people's words uh, describing what I was able to pull off and accomplish. <laughs> I think you know, 
based on the feedback I received uh, on the wine, uh, what I was able to accomplish in the bubble uh, was, was very effective. And uh, ultimately, I don't necessarily know if that played a factor in, in selling out in 45 minutes. But oh, I stop I, this. I, I say that it didn't. <laughs> in my mind, it was, it was going to sell out regardless. Let's just be honest. It was not regards because people love wine in Oregon. It's especially the grape. Grapes are elite, so it's it's obviously my name helps, and then the marketing helps, and what we were able to do behind it help. But we have elite wine here. The Pinot Noir here is special. I have a great winemaker, Gina, and a great team in Adelsheim that were able to put out a great product. Right. Absolutely. No. One of the things that you know you were you were quoted not your words but online that uh, you you learned a lot about the the ins and outs of, of business in general from starting the brand uh can you speak to a, a little bit more about that and what that process looked like living in a bubble yeah it was it was an intriguing process uh from being quarantined to two days not being able to leave to being just confined to uh the restaurant that was there the food that was available and the, and the people that were available to you so utilizing your resources reading um i try to read 30 minutes a day I drink my tea in the morning and kind of start with a routine. I write out my to-do list of what, what I want to accomplish, and then I try to get it done. Um, that was very helpful for me. Uh, I'm FaceTiming my family, um, obviously my brother, my fiance, uh, the, to help pass time. I thought that was that was important with technology today. We're lucky to be able to to do so many different things. And then from a business standpoint, I was able to get ahead on a lot of stuff. Um, working on the actual release uh, while I was there, even though we had it planned out, we had to kind of iron out some minor details and changes because we were supposed to have a release party. It was going to be a black tie affair. Like we had all these things that we wanted to accomplish, but we had to kind of change our course of action. So in reality, it hurt, you know, having to to strictly do zoom interviews and, and not being able to, to mingle and accomplish what I really wanted to accomplish. But on the bright side, we still, you know, mission accomplished. Uh, we were able to sell wine and, and still get everything done. And, I was able to, to build another business uh, and figure out ways to continue to expand uh, as I try to uh, achieve and accomplish building a, a huge empire. Uh, absolutely. No, uh, kudos to you, man. That was, that was great to watch. You know, every, everyone in the bubble got, you know, a bottle and, and shouted it out and said they enjoyed it. So I was, I was like, wow, this guy, this guy. I always told you. Everybody in the bubble. Let's not everybody. People, people I follow. I mean, Jordan Clarkson got one. That's all I remember. Kevin, Kevin, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> that's all I remember. Kevin Love got one on the way. Yeah, he it's did, getting... right? See? I did see that. I did see that. Um, and have you thought of doing like a virtual, like wine tasting class? All those things are in the works, Mr. Rose. No, I think no, the, biggest, the biggest thing I'm cognizant of is my time. Um, I'm always trying to be cognizant of my time and we've done a lot of brand building. We've done a lot of marketing. Uh, I've done interviews with various outlets, um, from food and wine to you name it. If it's involved with the wine industry, you know, I've, I've tried to kind of align myself with it. Uh, but going forward, I'm just going to be very strategic about, you know, what we do and how we kind of plan it, but got some things in the works like a cookbook, um, and some other things that I think fans will, will truly enjoy. And at some point, a a taste testing is in the works down the line it's lining up right now we'll probably release more information as we get closer to october but uh, it's 
it's lining up to be a, a, a beautiful 2021 after a very interesting 2020. Very interesting 2020. Very, very interesting 2020. Um, thank you for that, CJ. Uh, Eric, you, you, you mentioned, you know, COVID has allowed you to really explore, you know, your off-court ventures and some of the business opportunities for you. Can we, you know, take a deep dive into, you know, Eric McCollum, the entrepreneur, uh, and, and what that looks like for you? Yeah, I've always been um, big in the market. So, you know, as far as investing my portfolio, having a good team, you know, selecting certain stocks, you know, trying to make sure that when I'm done playing, um, as, as well as while I'm playing, that I'm making money and, you know, setting up that retirement nicely. But um, during this time period, you know, I've always had interest in real estate and I have been reading many books um, and not only reading books on how to start, you know, what to look for, understanding markets, um, strategies, certain things and difficulties that you might face, you know, in housing markets. Um, once I felt like I had a grasp on that, um, I kind of got my feet wet um, with help, um, probably about, you know, four years ago, um, one of my, um, you know, big in real estate and, you know, he was a perfect guy to someone I trust, someone I had a relationship with, but also someone who, you know, had the proper resources and experience for me to kind of, you know, jump into it. And, you know, I'm very hesitant. I like to do all my research, I like to be thorough before um, I do anything. So after doing that for about two years, I finally felt, you know, confident to, to do it on my own. Um, and what better place to do it than your own market, a market you're familiar with. And that's crucial because you need to know, you know, the income gaps, um, how much money certain areas uh, produce, what you can charge for rent, the comparables with how much other properties in the same area cost, because you can't have a property that you're charging X amount of dollars for. And, you know, a similar property down the street is going for way less, you know? So um, I think it was a good place for me to start was home. Um, and I was able to take that break being home for six or seven months. Um, I was able to not only spend time with my wife, my newborn baby, but I was able to really walk through the certain houses instead of just looking online and having to trust my realtor, who I do trust, have a great relationship with. I was able to walk in hands on, look at certain properties, be there, be on the ground floor, um, be there for the paperwork instead of all being virtually and, you know, really close in. And, um, I think during the pandemic, I had purchased um, 10 units um, in, in my area. Wow. And right now, um, it was beautiful. It was a good turnover. Um, all the tenants wanted to stay. Um, so I got nine out of 10 tenants. One is vacant. I had to fix up a little bit. And um, actually, surprisingly, today it's finally complete. So I'm very happy about that. Congrats. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So now we got to do is get a tenant in there. And, you know, I feel good about it just because not only am I creating passive income, and, you know, I'm allowing myself to have money while I'm playing basketball outside of basketball, which is crucial because you can get to the point where you make enough money to where you're not touching your basketball money. And once you get into that field, now you're talking. And, but the biggest thing for me is that experience through reading, that experience through talking to mentors, talking to people, using all my resources. and then you know, jumping into business with my friend and, you know, getting some properties in Arizona and seeing how that looked, how that turned out. And once you get in four or five, six deals and you just keep adding more and more, then you feel comfortable doing your own. And you'll still venture out and do deals with other people. But, you know, I just wanted to be able to do something on my own and, and see how it went. And I felt like I gained that proper knowledge. And seeing that we're in a pandemic, you know, I'm able to provide people with proper housing, 
uh, I'm able to make sure that they live in correctly. Um, as far as what's going on in the house, there's a lot of people who maybe aren't the best landlords. So not only am I creating that income, but I'm able to help people to give them a home and to make sure they're living in suitable conditions. So it's kind of like, you know, two things I feel really good about. And, you know, I continue to branch off and create more and more of that. And and probably the next deal I'll probably do with CJ. You know, we'll do a deal. You know, right now we're looking, you know, timing is of, of the essence. You know, you want to buy at the right price, but you also want the right neighborhoods. Um, you know, targeting schools, good school areas, you know, maybe close to parks, police stations, all those things that make people feel good inside and comfortable. And, and if you do that, I think, you know, you, you'll have a good market. That's a, that's a beautiful, congratulations on, you know, purchasing the 10 units um, and, and, you know, flipping all 10. Um, how many, I guess, it took you two years to really jump in on your own. You, you wanted to uh, kind of work with a couple other groups, read a little bit more, so on and so forth, which I think is a, a very safe and sound strategy. Um, are there any other ventures that you see yourself possibly jumping into in, in, in the coming years? And I know now you're 32, mm -hmm. 32. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, remember Eric spoke about uh, EuroLeague. He's been MVP of, of EuroLeague. Like Eric is no joke. Uh, I, I know he plays in, in Europe, but Eric is no joke. You played in the NBA for a little bit with Denver? Yeah, I did summer lead. Um, I actually had, I think, like, once I had an offer um, to play in the lead, but I would have been third point guard. And, you know, at that time, um, I had developed my name in Europe. I was comfortable there. And I preferred to play big minutes. And um, financially, it just wasn't a good situation for me to go to the lead. You know, the salaries are a little bit different now. They got this time I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. um, the minimum was a lot smaller. So, you know, I've been blessed. I was comfortable. And, you know, I like Europe. So, I mean, for some people, it just depends. Some people want to play in the NBA just to say they play in the NBA. And then some people want to create, you know, generational wealth and want to put their family in the best financial situation and also find happiness with being the main player, having a role, and that's the route I took. So that was what was best for me. But, you know, from that standpoint, uh, there's one, there's a couple things I want to do that's in the works. Um, uh, now, since we have a child, we kind of have to wait a little bit. But uh, me and my wife, we want to start um, a daycare. I think it was a big thing that was going on during the pandemic. And, um, you know, a lot of places, you know, couldn't get childcare. Um, so parents weren't working. And then when they were called back to work, those same daycares were closed. Um, there was nowhere to take your kids. Um, and this is something that we felt was, you know, it was sad because parents were forced to choose between a living or maybe putting their kids in a situation where they're getting supervised by maybe someone they don't trust as much or they're not as comfortable with. So I think, you know, everything that I do, obviously you want to make money, but you also want to help people. And I think, um, you know, a daycare is something that we can really look into. Uh, obviously it'd be an educational center too, where your, you know, kids will have schooling, you know, they'll have recess there. It'd be a safe zone where, where parents will feel safe to put their kids. And I think that's somewhere that, you know, is really needed. And, you know, I'm looking at different buildings and different places where, you know, I could see that vision. And it's something that will, you know, I think my wife is excellent with children. I've seen her as a mother, just seeing, you know, the woman she's just evolved into. And, you know, I think it would be a beautiful thing for that. And, you know, when you do business, you want to be with people you trust and who better than your wife or your brother. So 
you know, that's something that we're looking into. And, you know, just, I think if you influence the youth, um, you know, you change the future and why not get them when they're young and mold them. Absolutely. Social entrepreneurship, man. Eric, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Um, and I, and I love the, the fact that you're, you're looking at this from a, uh, a proximity angle, right? Uh, the theory of proximity, those closest to the problem have the answer. Um, and a lot of the, the work that you're looking to do is, is very important. When we look at uh, how solutions come about, you're, you're, you're matching profit with purpose. And that's social entrepreneurship. So kudos to you, Eric. And uh, uh, thank you once again for all the great work that you do, man. It's, it's, it's very inspiring to see. Um, Mr. Uh, Carl James, uh, CJ, CJ McCollum, um, talk to us about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Carl James is not his name. He, he hates when I call him that. Uh, but talk to us about, you know, what, what does the CJ McCollum, the entrepreneur, look like outside of, Heritage 91 Wine. Uh, I've been trying to build and expand my portfolio for, for quite some time and, and slowly educate myself on different sectors, obviously. Um, I'd rather being involved in real estate. That's been helpful to kind of see, you know, how he does it, how he goes about doing it. I have some ex-teammates um, that are involved and have been involved in real estate. So I've been able to go in on some projects with uh, the likes of Anthony Tolliver, Pat Connaughton, one of my personal favorite teammates of all time. Um, and that's, that's the, the biggest thing I've done is network. You know, a lot of times we're in the hot tub or the cold tub, the steam room, and uh, we're not afraid to share ideas and talk about things and go through the educational process of expanding on things you don't know. And I've consistently figured out ways to do that. Uh, we've organized calls uh, with the likes of uh, Junior Bridgman, um, who's you know known for uh, being one of the, the first uh, players to go from playing in the NBA to owning tons and tons of of Wendy's, uh, among other franchises. So just learning more about franchising, the importance of owning land uh, if you're going to franchise. So I, I've stepped into the franchising world. It's hasn't been announced yet. I don't know if it will be because I try to keep my business under wraps, but maybe when I build, you know, a Junior Bridgman-like portfolio, people will start to find out that I'm involved in franchising and, and owning um, multiple restaurants. Outside of that, um, just continuing to invest in, in startup companies and, and things that are of interest to me. Uh, Players TV is one of the, the most recent uh, companies I've invested in. Uh, Move is another uh, company I've invested in and it's more so profit purpose driven to where you take merchandise, you take gear uh, that you've played in and they, they token it off uh, essentially in a raffle, raffle like form. And the money goes to different charities that are of interest. I actually sold the shoes I played in the bubble. We raffled them off. Um, and uh, the, the money is going to the boys and girls club of, of Portland, Oregon, which is near and dear to my heart. So, just continuing to expand in those ways. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is to, to figure out uh, how to surround yourself with the right advisors. So outside of wine, I know people in real estate, I know people in tech, I know people uh, in the franchising world, and if we continue to, to pick those sectors and, and, and solely focus on that. Absolutely. Now, both of you guys, both of you guys talked about advisors and mentors and you know, um, learning on your own. For our entrepreneurs that are listening to this, and when it comes to knowledge within a sector, right? You, you understand that, let's say real estate, for example, 
um, there's an expert or someone that you know that's done it really, really well. How much of how much of them are you going to require to to build your own knowledge? So is it like, let me rephrase this question. Is it more of a like a, a, a 60, 40? So 60% you're going to listen to one person and the other 40% you're just reading and gaining your own knowledge from other parts of the world? Like, how do you guys kind of get to a place where you guys are comfortable before jumping into something that you've never jumped into before? I think for me, I like to look at multiple resources. So, you know, I go from, there's so many, you know, avenues you can go through. I use books, um, people who are experienced in this field who've done it. Um, I use also, you know, YouTube stuff that you learn. You hear people telling it, all the tutorials talking about it. And then I use my personal relationships with people who I know that are in those sectors and those fields. And sometimes you even have to reach out to people. For me, I think you have to be humble enough to, to tell yourself that sometimes you don't know something or sometimes you don't understand something. And I think a lot of times people are scared to do that where I'm not, I want to know how you did it. I want to know why, uh, sorry, this question may sound dumb, but why did you do this? And how did you do this? And I think when you take accumulation of all those different resources, you're going to start to hear when something is dead on, right? You're going to hear that ringing multiple times. It's not going to be one thing. It's going to be multiple times. And then sometimes when you hear someone who's done it at a level, no one else has done it. Um, there might be one thing that stands out that hey, maybe this is the difference here too, but you have to use all your resources. Um, you have to be, you know, patient. I think you should take baby steps, get your feet wet. Um, you know, if you have the type of capital where you can afford to take the risk and die full in, you know, I still wouldn't recommend it. You know, I still think you work hard for your money as hard as you, you work for it. You, you need to understand that you could lose a lot of chunk of it um, with one bad decision. So, you know, use those resources, talk to people um, and engage, you know, their activity level. You know, a lot of people are going to want to help you. A lot of people want to see you doing well. Um, and those ones who have that type of energy, who are able to be a mentor for you or someone that, you know, maybe could even be a person you end up doing a deal with, I think you have to just continue to utilize that. And that's what I did. And once you get enough information, you know, and you move on your own, you still, you know, talk to them, you still keep that relationship, that bridge there, because there's so many uh, different opportunities out there. And uh, when you do deals with people, uh, you limit risk. Um, because with more people in the deal, that's more capital, more capital, more less capital you have to provide. Uh, and I think when you're starting, I think doing anything with someone is the smartest move just because it might get some of that risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for answering that, Eric. I think one of the three of the things that I, I really wanted you to harp on, uh, you know, for, for, for our guests that are, are listening to this one knowledge, right? The, the books to the internet, as much as there's a lot of misinformation out there, if you search, you can find what you're, what you're looking for. And the third thing is, is building these relationships that allow you to ask those tough questions and get those direct answers. Um, I think one of the biggest things um, from, from advisors and mentors is they wanna see that you've tried to go and find it. And you know what, maybe you haven't been able, all right, now I'll help you, right? Yep. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs today are, hey, like, do you wanna be my mentor? Oh, well, mentor on what? Uh, I need to know this. Well, how much have you read? Nothing. Well, you need to go and start. And I think that's the, the big piece about entrepreneurship is, you, you know, you're taking a big risk 
um, and you know, understanding that you have limited resources in hopes, in hopes of profit, right? In hopes of profit. I look so, at it like this, when you play basketball, you exhaust yourself, right? You, you train every day, you, you're in the gym, you're lifting, you're doing skill work. You've done this since you were a child. Now, essentially when you're jumping into entrepreneur field, you had a late start. Maybe you went to college, maybe you got your business degree. That's what I did. But there's still so much that you don't know. And just how you approach basketball, this is how you approach all those years of school. You have to approach the business aspect, that same energy, that same effort, that same time. If you're not doing that, you're doing yourself a disservice in business. And no mentor is going to respect you because at that point, you don't care. So why should I waste my time? Okay. And usually your mentor is someone who's busy, someone who's making a lot of money, someone who gets paid to give advice um, or could get paid to give advice. So you have to value their time, their commitment to you by showing them the respect of doing your research and your homework. 100%. Eric, you hit it right on the head. You, you brought up a point around athletes and entrepreneurship. It's literally the same thing, right? Getting up 6 a.m. To, to, to get into the gym and, and lift and stretch and do all of these things. Entrepreneurship's the same thing. Getting up mad early and having to read and write and take notes and attend webinars and, and so on and so forth. That discipline that you have um, in being an athlete, and a lot of people don't understand the correlation between the two. And I, the way I like to explain it to people is imagine being we'll use the NBA for example, but imagine being one out of the 450 people on earth that play this one sport, how focused and dedicated and um, determined and disciplined that you have to be to perform every night. It's the same thing in entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for that point, Eric. I, I, I want to chat with you guys about your, your community work and, and all the good that you guys do. Um, you know, you guys have gone back home and um, you're, the J. Babe Stern Center is now the McCollum Brothers Wellness Center. Uh, that was a, a gym that was very, you know, dear to your hearts. Uh, can you guys talk us through how, how that became? CJ? Knowing, knowing what the, the J. Babe Stern Center means to us and, and has meant to us, um, throughout our life, we wanted to figure out a way uh, to give back and to help inspire the next generation of, of kids and to show our appreciation and gratitude for what that place has meant to us. So a long story short, they ended up reaching out and inquiring about some updates that they wanted to make within the uh, center, um, understanding that it's a little outdated. It's been around since uh, before our time. And uh, we just wanted to figure out a way to collaboratively, co collaboratively improve upon uh, multiple parts of the uh, wellness center starting with the weight room and figuring out ways to, uh, to help with that obviously naming rights came with that so we were able to, to rename it get some graphics and art outside of the uh, wellness center and uh, figure out ways to just improve the overall um, equipment um, and the experience i think that's extremely important for kids nowadays to have a safe space to, to play to learn to grow and to, to escape some of the realities that come with uh, being, a, being a kid in sometimes unstable, unfortunate situations. So I think it was the right thing to do for us. And I, I felt like it was uh, right up our alley in terms of ways that we can improve and, and give back to our society. 
Absolutely. No, I think one of the, the, the things that, you know, I, I wanted to ask, does this now mean when you guys run your, your, your annual basketball camps, you guys don't have to pay for gym fees? Like, was that part of the deal? No gym fees. <laughs> <laughs> no gym hey, fees. Being man. entrepreneurial. Because I know you guys, got, you guys have done the camp. You got 24-7 access to that gym. Years. That's beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> on the wall, you can't be paying to get in. Yeah. 100%. 100%. There's also, you know, the Dream Center in Portland and, you know, providing meals to, to families during uh, COVID uh, back home in Ohio. Uh, why? The world always talks about, oh, athletes need to do this and athletes need to give back and so on and so forth. And, you know, I know as an NBA player, you guys have X amount of, you know, uh, mandatory appearances for playing on a team you know to be the hospital visits and so on and so forth but these projects are outside of that why is community so important to you guys and you know why why do you guys feel that it's it's almost like a job for you guys to to, to give back and inspire the next bunch i think that um you know we've been blessed um to be in a situation where we have a platform where we can make a difference. Oftentimes, the people with the biggest opinion are the ones doing nothing. Um, giving back isn't just about monetary. Um, obviously, we can do that, God willing. You know, we're able to provide meals, we're able to provide safe places, game rooms, updated weight room equipment, give away turkeys, um, feed families on Thanksgiving. We can do those things with monetary value, but also um, people can give back through time. Time is free. Um, and that's my thing. A lot of people are quick to say what athletes should do, but what are you doing? You know, and that's what life should be about. We should focus on ourselves and doing what we have to do. And that's how you make the biggest difference. But not only doing that, like at our camp, we're there 24 seven, we're there the whole time. Uh, we want the kids to have the interaction. Um, I think I'm, me and CJ are both big on the reality of something. Um, mm -hmm. Being an NBA player isn't realistic. Uh, being overseas player isn't realistic. Being a millionaire isn't realistic. Um, being a college graduate uh, isn't realistic for a lot of people. Um, but when you see someone who's from your city, who looks like you, who's not that tall, you know, CJ 6'4", I'm 6'2", you know, not that big, you know, you look at it like, hey, it's possible. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're able to give hope, we're able to talk to them, maybe a parent could be telling a child to do something, to study, to get good grades, to do something, but it hits a little bit differently when you hear from your favorite NBA player, CJ McCullum, or it hits differently when you hear from your favorite player overseas, Eric McCullum, or when I tell you to do something, you're wondering, well, why, why, why? But then you see that maybe we have a lifestyle that you might desire, or we took a path that you wish to have. And just being in a position where we both um, needed uh that positive influence and we got it from our parents. Some people don't have their parents to have that. Some people's parents are, you know, in different phases of life or maybe can't provide that or maybe they're not at that stage maturity wise to be that rock or to be stable or have that foundation. So we knew how important it is and how it influenced our life. And if your parents can't give it to you or your guardians can't give it to you, or maybe they're giving it to you, but you're not receiving the message, what better person to get it from than someone that you see on TV? And, you know, from that aspect, we've been able just to continue to give back. And then sometimes it's not even about kids. Sometimes, you know, adults hit tough spots. 
you know, and a meal can change someone's day. Or sometimes I could be at a restaurant and maybe you pick up a tab. Now, there's little things that people can do that don't cost thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, volunteer stuff, soup kitchen, all type of stuff. So um, anytime you make a difference, I just feel like um, it's enjoyable for me to see someone's life change, um, to see someone smile, to see someone, you know, appreciate a circumstance that you helped them with. And, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't do press. We don't even tell people we did it. We just happy that we can make a difference. As long as God knows we did it, that's all that matters and why you did it. You know, what, what was your purpose in doing it? Was it for publicity or, you know, was it at the kindness of your heart? You know, that, that's a question you have to ask yourself. So you know, we do it just to help change people's life. And, you know, I think that's why our careers have gone well. That's why we've been blessed with great family and friends. And that's why we feel love because we show love. Absolutely. How many people you bless is how you measure success. And uh, I think you guys are a great testament to that now as 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 men with that wear so many different hats how do you how do you manage it all like how are you guys taking care of you know your mental how are you you know how are you providing wellness for yourselves like how do you guys manage all of these projects from you know the, the potential daycare to uh eric legend mccullum the third to bubbles to traveling to you know family like how do you guys manage it all and how are you guys taking care of your mental for me personally i try to just keep a routine i think you have to find ways to disconnect but you also have to find ways to, to stay on schedule if you're a person who's very schedule oriented and for me i like to kind of plan my day out and uh make tasks for myself things i want to accomplish whether that's calling people whether that's conference calls whether that's educational stuff in terms of reading knowledge, researching on the internet, and then speaking to people who are good vibes, for one, provide good vibes, and for two, I can kind of help you, you know, take that next step in life. I think I've aligned myself with a lot of different advisors, people who are very successful in their own rights and in certain fields, and I'm able to lean on them, ask them questions, and just have those conversations to where you feel like you're, you're gaining knowledge. Um, I try to surround myself with people where I feel like I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I think I've, you know, continued to figure out ways to do that, which has helped me. And then I have a dog, so I'm able to kind of escape and get away. Uh, I think connecting with nature is, is really important to the to the human body and the, and the mind and soul overall, and being able to disconnect here in Oregon and take long walks, um, go to vineyards, spend time with my fiance, those type of things allow me to, to unplug, recharge, and kind of, reconnect and stay focused and driven because we're always in this go, go, go mode mentality where we're chasing something. At times it's better to just be still and relaxed. And I've found that balance and uh, meditating and, and just giving myself time uh, to kind of disconnect from everything. Absolutely. I love the fact that you said unplugged that really that stuff warms my heart. I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my, my last question for, for both of you guys um, uh, for our entrepreneurs that are that are listening, you know, COVID has turned a lot of people's lives upside down, their businesses, their dreams, you know, things have been hard. But um, what COVID has done, I think, has also democratized entrepreneurship. There's a new wave of entrepreneurship, right? When uh, destruction and chaos happens, there's new opportunities. Um, but because there's new opportunities, there's going to be new challenges. What would uh, a self-care tip be from Eric McCullough? I would say 
um, for me, put the family first. Um, you can always make more money. Um, you can always, you know, find another business venture, another um, thing to get into. But um, you know, you can't you can't get more time. No matter how rich you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter how happy you are, you can't find time. So put your family first. Carve out some time to hang out with them. And, and schedules are crucial. You need to have a period of time that's dedicated to yourself, for your own well-being, and for your family. And it could be once a week, it could be twice a week, whatever you find that you need. If you don't find that time, I think you'll become overwhelmed. And find a good partner. Uh, you know, find you a good woman, someone who supports you, someone that can help. You know, elevate you, but also, you know, you help elevate as well. And you know, y'all carry that burden together and eventually it doesn't become a burden. It becomes just a process, just what you guys are doing. Wow. Thank you for that, Eric. And shout out to legend, man. He's got a, he's got a legend to, to follow and, and surpass. Uh, Mr. Mr. CJ, what, what would your self-care tip be for our entrepreneurial listeners as they continue to build and, and grow their businesses and ideas? Um, I say two things. I think using do not disturb is very important. Um, I'm, I'm a nine to nine guy. My phone doesn't ring from nine to nine. And I can't remember the last time I turned my phone on a ringer in general so that you can kind of focus on what you're doing, whatever you're doing, something you're trying to accomplish something, you're present and you're also present or more present with your family. The second thing is saying no more. I think that's important. Um, a lot of times we overextend ourselves and, and, and try to do too much. You know, we want to be successful so bad, we're taking on too many tasks or just doing too many things. And um, when you narrow your focus, you have a higher chance of being successful. And I think I've learned that instead of trying to work on everything every summer, it's like, all right, I need to be able to do this. I need to be able to do this. And you focus on that and then you move on to the next task. And I've done the same thing in the business world. And it's it's worked out well for me. I didn't try to invest in 70 things at once. It was like, this year I'm going to do real estate. This year, I'm going to do franchise. This year, I'm going to do tech. So being able to say no to things is, is something I still work on, but I would advise people to get more no's in the next in the next year. Thank God you didn't say no to us. Gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. It was a, a pleasure, as always, to sit down and connect and you know take a deep dive into your history, into your, your business backgrounds, into sports, into your families. Um, you, you guys are inspirations. Uh, I, I wish you nothing but continued success, uh, continued growth. Um, uh, I, glad and honored to call you guys friends and, and colleagues as well. Um, so thank you once again for, for joining us at the Unplugged Podcast. <laughs>